Why don't we pray together? Grab a seat. Why don't you just be relaxed in the presence of God? I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray that your love would continue to descend, oh Lord, like the dew this morning. Lord, every person in this place, I pray they would have an encounter with your, with your divine love. In Jesus' mighty name, can someone say amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you for being here. Because, like, it's cold out there, isn't it? This morning I'm going to share... Um, I'll need this chair. <laughs> I've done something to my back, and the physiotherapist says he can help me, but he hasn't done a lot yet. Thank you. <laughs> um, so if you have nothing to pray about, pray for my back. That would be fantastic. Okay, so I want to share this message, and I've called it, because uh, we've kind of gone with this theme of light of fire, and so I want to take a look at... Um, the Apostle Paul in Scripture. A lot of times we reference him in speaking and preaching and teaching, and uh, I felt that it would be just good to kind of go through. I want to look at his life a little bit, look at some of the passions in his life, and um, it's, uh, it's, we're going to have a prayer time after the service, um, so if, you're, if you want prayer, so um, that'll be available. So background to Paul's life. Uh, so Paul was a rabbi. He was highly educated, and um, so we're talking about where does he fall if you're totally new to the church and the Bible and all that stuff. So Jesus comes to the earth. He lives for his 33 or some years. He trains up these followers, these disciples, and he says, I want you to preach. I want you to share the message that I have been sharing with you about the good news of God's love, the gospel. And, 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 and uh, so then Jesus, of course, he, he dies. He's resurrected. He hangs out for a little while on the earth, and then he goes off into heaven. And so the church, of course, keeps growing. <laughs> and so this dude by the name of Paul, I want, I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 7, and just kind of go through a little bit of a uh, survey of kind of a little bit of his story. So Acts 7, verses 57 and 58 says this. They put their hands on their ears, and they begin shouting. Now this is this is, a, this is about to tell about a man named Stephen who is one of the first martyrs. They put their hands over their ears and they began shouting and they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Now they weren't passing around a reefer. They were throwing rocks. You're clear? Okay. <laughs> uh, they rushed him, they dragged him, they began to stone him. The accusers took off their coats and they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Kind of the first introduction to this man who later on would be, okay, we'll keep going. Acts chapter eight, um, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely to the killing of Stephen. Stephen, a great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, nagging, or nagging, dragging out, half an apple, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Okay, so not a nice dude. Is he a fan of Jesus, the church, the gospel? Not so far. Okay, now, Acts chapter 9, this is a lengthy portion, but you can just follow along. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. 
So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. The way was what they originally called Christians that he found there. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? His response, who are you, Lord? Saul asks. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and it will be told what you must do. Notice this, that did Paul actually persecute Jesus? No, but when you treat his bride, the church, a certain way, that is a reflection. Jesus says, hey, the way you talk about my church, the way you treat my church, the way your attitude is to my church, I take that as a personal reflection of how you treat, talk about, and think about, and live like according to me. The church and Jesus are, you can't say that you love Jesus, but you hate the church. It'd be like if you came to me and said, Jackson, I think you're wonderful, but your wife is an old bag. You're not gonna win that argument with me. So too many people say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. No, it doesn't work that way. So he says, I'm, I'm the one persecuting. I'll, I'll show you what you must do. Um, and then Saul stood speechless, they, they, they found, they, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up from the, uh, the men with Saul stood speechless. He picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there three days and did not eat or drink. Now, notice this. Paul has an encounter. He has this encounter with Jesus. And then the Spirit, after there's an encounter, the Spirit says, now, now I want to show you what the next step is. <laughs> and we have this thing, because we're so biblical here at Gateway, called next steps. And what that is, is once you've had an encounter, you say, I've been coming to this church, I love the church, this is something. Now you need to get involved with the community. Now you need to get involved with the body. <laughs> and so next week after the service, we're having our next steps class. You're like, our next steps event. It's not a class. It's really not a class. It's not more boring information. It is an opportunity for you to get involved. Get involved serving on a team. Get involved in a, in a group. Get involved with something so that you're not just a casual attender. Jesus didn't say go into the world and make attenders. <laughs> he said make disciples. And until you get involved with the body and you assimilate. Remember, the, remember Star Trek back in the days? We are the Borg. You will be assimilated. That is my goal at the church. That every single person will be assimilated and become an interconnected and part of the church. Not just attenders. Okay. So. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. The Lord said, the Lord said, but 
Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as, people, all, uh, as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Ah! Now, understandably, I don't think that everyone, that, sorry, God calls everyone. I think that some people have a unique call. Paul the apostle obviously was one of those people. Um, so God's not calling us all to become martyrs. Most of us, you know, you say, I'd like to die for God. He's just like, just live for me. I'll be happy with you living for me. You don't need to die for me. Anyway, so, so it goes on. So Paul has this encounter, and then next steps, he receives prayer. And, and so, so you, you can understand how mind-boggling is this. So now he, so Paul then goes from there, and you can read. The book of Acts really is a lot of his story. And so he goes from that experience and he tries to preach the gospel and, he, you know, he tries to build the churches and they're like, dude, weren't you a murderer last week? Uh, you took my cousin and had her thrown in the dungeon. I don't really want you leading Bible study right now, you know? And so then Paul, but so he goes on. So what I want to do for the remainder of my time this morning is I want to look at uh, a, 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 towards the end, of, or oh, it's the last chapter of the book of Acts, and talking about this subject of lighting a fire. Now, when we talk about, when, when preachers talk about fire, and we talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit, um, it's, it's like a type. It's like a, it's, it's like a little bit of a, like an emblem, or like a, like, when, when you think about, like, the, the Edmonton Oilers, you think of the oil logo, like it's there, it's the thing that identifies. And one of the things that identifies God's presence throughout Scripture is this concept of fire. And, and the Bible kind of uses fire in, in, in different ways, but fire is, is a means of purifying. It's a means of getting rid of the junk and burning up kind of the, the garbage. But it's also like just a sign of, uh, like a symbol or a sign of, of, this, of the Spirit moving. On the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues, there was a flame of fire that appeared. When the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, there was a pillar, there was a pillar of fire that went with them. And, and it's just a marker or a sign of God's presence. You know, a lot of times over the years, people have been in, you know, I've talked to people who've been in a worship service, and they say, I don't know what's going on, but my hands, they just feel like they're on fire. Or it's like, I, I've, a few times it's like, why is it, it feels like somebody turned the heat up in this room to like 47 degrees, which wouldn't be that, that bad this morning, would it? Um, but it's just, it's a symbol of, so when we talk about light of fire, it's about letting the Holy Spirit Catch a flame on your heart, burning away the junk, burning away the things that you no longer need or the things that are holding you back. So when we say, let the fire of heaven come and touch us, we're saying, Holy Spirit, come in a fresh way, a fresh move of your spirit in every life and every heart. All of us get weary and all of us can get discouraged and all of us can go through ups and downs and having a chance for the fire of God to just kind of catch afresh, it just burns away discouragement and it burns away disappointment it burns away if you choose to let it unforgiveness and baggage and pain and sorrow and depression and whatever else might ail you. <laughs> so, um, so listen to this account, Acts 28, 1 to 10. Therefore we found ourselves, oh sorry, before that let me say this. 
Paul, prior to this, has, has been told that he needs to go to Rome. Now, he's going there for a specific purpose. He knows that he's not probably going to leave Rome and that he is going to, eventually, he's going to die for his faith, but he knows that he needs to go to Rome. So Acts chapter 27, right before this, he's on a boat as a prisoner, and this storm rages in, and he, you know, they start throwing the luggage overboard, and they're like, what are we going to, I'm terrified of the ocean. Like, I, it's way too big and way too deep and way too scary for me. Like, I would not, I don't, well, if you want to buy me a cruise as a, as a gift, I'll go on a cruise. Um, I would be willing to suffer for Jesus that way. But just something, something about the ocean. So it's just, and so they're, 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 they're on this boat, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're going as prisoners, and this storm comes. It, it, it went for 14 days, night and day, that they're going through this storm. And Paul begins to pray, and, and he has, the Lord reveals to him, guess what? Like, the ship's not going to make it. Like, you guys, it's, it's not going to go well, but it, no one's going to die. And so Paul goes to the, the captain, whoever, is, and, and he says, you know, I have really good news. It's not going to go that well, but none of us is going to die. And so pick it up here um, in Acts 28. Before this, we find ourselves at a boat, or sorry. Once we were safe on shore, we learned so the, the boat shipwrecks, I apologize. The boat shipwrecks, and the people actually that are on the boat, they end up getting to shore by holding on to the broken pieces of the vessel. And there's something in that that's pretty cool when you think that even if a vessel is broken, it can still be used for something. And let me say this for your life. You're like, I just feel so broken. I don't think that God could ever, ever use me. <laughs> let, me let me tell you something. God is not interested in vessels that are silver or gold or perfect or polished. God can use broken vessels to bring people to shore. Amen? And uh, so just, just you say, oh, I'm too broken. I can't be used by God. Listen, just, just be yielded. God's not looking for silver or gold. He's looking for yielded vessels. Um, so, they, so they end up, they go to shore. And... Uh, once they were safe, they, he says, we learned of the, we were on this island called Malta, and the people of the island were very kind to us, and it was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Very nice of them. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks, and he was laying them on a fire, a poisonous snake, snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. And when the people saw this, uh, they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. How fickle is the crowd, right? <laughs> Obviously, he's a murderer. You know, we knew it. Prison boat, these guys are shady looking dudes. And we know that the, the we know, we know, yeah, that whole karma thing's gonna work out. So here's Paul. Now, Paul's just trying to do his part. He's like, I, I don't really have anything. I mean, I imagine he was cold, um, he was probably wet. And, and so they've lit a fire, and so he's like, well, I can go get some sticks and bring it to the fire. You know, at least I can do that. And in the process of it, he gets bitten by a snake. Now, 
Pastor Martin and I were talking about this. When you think about how crazy those people's perception is, you see, perception is just that. It's not reality, it's perception. So they're like, okay, so obviously you're a murderer. Now we're going to wait for you to die. And then they're like, okay, he's obviously not a murderer. Well, let's just, you know, let's, let's, let's worship him as a god. He's obviously a god, which selfishly, if I was in Paul's position and I knew that I was going to Rome, where eventually I would be martyred, and here I am on this nice cozy little island and people are thinking I'm a god, personally the selfish side of me would say, yes I am a god, like beam me up Scotty, you know, bring on the grapes and yes, worship me, you know? That's just the carnal side of me. Um, but so, so, so think about perception and reality. So their, their perception, the way they're seeing it. Now, if you or I were looking at that as people from 2019, we would think, oh shoot, a snake bit him. And we would think, well, he's, is he poison? Like what, wow, what, like, we wouldn't think that God was punishing him. I suppose some Christians do think that way, but none of us here. But we would just look at it, and, we, and, and so then they're like, oh no, it's, it's not that, it's, 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 it's that, oh no, he must be a God. See, perception is not reality and you've heard this before but the truth of the matter is is that we do not see the world the way it is we see the world the way we are a few months ago i was picking up my wife from work and i was just waiting she works at a restaurant and i was waiting at the in the lounge and um drinking ice water with lemon and um and this this guy is is sitting at the at the bar and and you know we we kind of start chatting and then and then Joy gets off work and she comes and she sits down and uh, and I just looked at her and I said can I buy you a drink and she's like oh sure and so we just kind of sat and watched TV a little bit of interaction and then I, I'm I'm getting it like this guy who this guy is not watching and he's like wow that he's slick <laughs> like I could see it in his you know. He's slick, he just, he bought this, this girl a drink, like, that's, so then, <laughs> we finish, and I just looked at her and I said, oh, you wanna come home with me or what? <laughs> and she goes, well, yeah. <laughs> the guy's, his mouth like dropped to the floor, and he just was like, unbelievable, like what, what kind of magic, you know? <laughs> and I, I, I let it go for a couple seconds, and then I looked at him, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not that good. This is my wife. I was just like, I was just playing. He looked at me, he's like, I was going to be like, man, you need to teach me. Like, how did you, how did you do it? Perception versus reality, right? So Paul gets bitten by this snake. Now think about this. Holy cow. Paul gets bitten by this snake, and what does he do? He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't cry about it. He doesn't write a letter and send it to head office. He doesn't even update Facebook and say, like, there's a snake in the pile, you know. What does Paul do? He just shakes it off. Um, I think, I'd like to think of it a little bit, if Paul, like he must have been somewhat prophetic, and I wonder if when that happened, that Paul, like in his mind, was just like, Players are gonna hate. Players are gonna play, 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 play. And haters are gonna hate, 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 hate. But I'm just gonna shake, shake, shake. I wonder if Paul kind of, I don't know. 
Shake it off. Like before Taylor Swift had it going on, which don't look up that video on YouTube. She does a lot of shaking. And she's not shaking a snake off, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Unless the snake is, never mind, um, (laughs) in her back pocket. But um, so Paul just shakes it off. Now listen to me this morning. There's sometimes in times, there are times in life where it's appropriate for you to perhaps go for counseling or take a holiday or go to bed early or take a chill pill or, you know, binge on Netflix or take a break because you're going through life and you're just doing what you know is right to do. As Paul was doing, he's just doing what he knows is right to do. He's like, I can bring something to the table. And so Paul, in his state of being cold and frozen and broken, he he just picks up a pile of sticks and he goes and he places them on a fire. And there's a time and a place in life where you say, I need to stop and I need to catch my breath or I need some recreation time or I need a break or whatever. And, and, And there's a time for that to let your pain heal. But sometimes Sometimes in life, you just need to shake the stupid viper off. Sometimes you just need to be like, you know what? No more. Paul, you know, Paul could have been offended. Oh, God, God in heaven, here I am suffering for you, and you let this snake come out and bite me. What kind of God are you up there? You must be laughing at me. Imagine with his Yiddish accent, what's the matter for you? You know what I mean? But there's a time where you just need to shake it off. Allow whatever. Sometimes, sometimes stuff in life just happens, and the reality is, you need to not try and figure out and be like, "Well, Lord, here I am. I, I give to you, and this is what you do to me. I got a, la- a flat tire or whatever." And, and sometimes you just gotta shake it off and be like, "You know what? This might be something that's happening to me, but it's not going to be a representation of what's happening in me." You can go through all kinds of things in life. You can have snakes jumping out of nowhere and biting you when you least expect it, when you're doing the right thing. I've actually found that sometimes when you're doing the right thing, it's like, "Why isn't things going better because you're doing the right thing?" And for some reason, it's just not. It doesn't work out. And you can sit there and you can blame God or you can have a pity party or you can cry and wah about it or you can just shake that thing off. Can you just look at someone and say, just shake it off? How many of you didn't do that? <laughs> there's, an, uh, there's a story of a, a, a farmer who had an old mule and he knew that it was, getting, it was getting too old to be of value and being a cheap person, he didn't really want to waste money on a bullet. So he knew that he had an old well back on the back part of his property. And so one day he took that old mule next to that well and he just pushed it into the well. And he thought, well, a bone, it's not very, you know, not very kind I, now, that, now that I think about it, but he just thought, I'll just push that old mule in there and just not worry about it. And then he began to just, you know, throw some dirt on top of the, on top of the mule. And that, that mule, and then, and then he thought, well, might as well he put garbage in there. So he's throwing dirt and he's throwing old, you know, potato peels and all this, like garbage in there. Just cover it up, get rid of the smell. And that old mule, every time that that farmer would drop a dump of, uh, of dirt on top of that mule, you know what that mule did? He'd just shake it off. Just shake it off and take a step. And every time a load of dirt came, <laughs> that mule would just shake it off and then step up. 
And, and when there was, you know, food that was thrown down in the well, the, the mule would, would eat and it would get stronger and stronger. One day, that mule just walked out. He was able to shake off enough dirt that he just, now it's just a story. It probably didn't really happen. Don't call PETA and say that I'm, you know, saying we should be throwing animals into wells and stuff like that, okay? <laughs> but it brings a truth, doesn't it? There's something about it that it's like, okay, you can sh- there's so much. You can shake off more than you thought you could. And there comes, it's like, don't, a lot of times people will choose to be offended. Being, oh, this happened to me. Paul could have been offended. But he realized that there was something greater. There was a greater vision for his life. There was a greater purpose for his life. And, and being offended will take you out of the game so fast. I meet so many people who are offended. Well, I'm offended. Well, what happened? Well, it was 1979, and this happened. Someone said this to me. Then they didn't talk to me, and they didn't phone me, and now I'm sad, and I'm hurt. I understand being sad and hurt and in pain and all that stuff, but sometimes I think we just use it as an excuse to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and immaturity. Anyway, shake it. Shake it off. Okay, let's go to the last, last slide, 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 18. This is one of the last things that Paul writes in his life. He says this, the first time I, 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 brought, I was brought before the judge, no one came to me. Everyone abandoned me. May it be, not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. He rescued me from death from certain death, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I was on, I was on, I was on Facebook last night and, and a well-known Christian teacher had posted a meme saying, figure out, figure out, figure out your destiny or the devil will write your, does it figure out your, figure out your destiny, or, or figure out your purpose, figure out your purpose, or the devil will write his purpose on your life. And I commented and I said, wow, do we ever give the devil a lot of power? It seems to me like some Christians have more faith in the devil's ability than in God. Um, so, but Paul writes this, he says, he says, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Will you stand? I'm gonna invite the band up this morning. I want you to just look at that last line and I want you to just make that as a declaration over your life. Maybe it's early enough in the new year that you're like, the Lord will deliver me and he's gonna bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Could we just say that together? We're gonna read that, yes. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just pray? We're going to pray. We're going to raise your hands. Holy Spirit, I pray that, Lord, there would just be such a spirit of an overcomer, Lord, among us. Lord, that we would be those kind of people who could just shake it off. Shake off the things, Lord, that are coming to thwart purpose, Lord, to stop, Lord, your design. We'd be able to just move forward in you and just in truth, in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise, church. Let's say that together again. Say, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. Today is um, the first Sunday of the month. And as you know, we always make our prayer team available for anybody who wants prayer for healing. It could be healing for your body or for your emotions or for somebody else that isn't here. Maybe you want to ask for prayer for a friend or family member. But we're not just talking about healing. Maybe there's some other battle you're going through in life. The Lord will deliver you from every evil attack. Whatever it is. If you feel like you're under bombardment in some area of life, you're praying about it yourself, but you, you want somebody to come alongside you, to lay their hands upon you, and to pray the prayer of faith, then we have a prayer team available to help you today. If you would like prayer for healing or for some other need for yourself or somebody else, can you just raise your hand high right now so we see how many people want healing prayer. Lift your hands up if you're looking for healing prayer. All of you people with your hands up, could you just step out into the closest aisle to you? Wherever the closest aisle is. So anybody who is in an aisle is someone who wants prayer. Anyone who's still in the rows, you don't want prayer, okay? If you're wanting prayer, just step out into the closest aisle. Now, like I said, we have a prayer team. However, on Wednesday night at our equip gathering, one of the things that we shared was that although we want to have a prayer team in Gateway, we want to have a church that knows how to pray. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, if your friend says to you, I'm really feeling unwell, it's good if you can say, well, I'll take you to the prayer team. But it's even better if you say, I'm going to pray for you right here, right now, because God is a prayer answering God. Okay. And so on Wednesday night at Equip, we had a, a breakout that Pastor Jackson spoke to about prayer. And we said to the people who were there, we want you people to be part of our prayer team this coming Sunday. So before we send our regular prayer team out, anyone else who was at Equip on Wednesday night and who was part of that prayer training time, if you feel confident to do so, you, you're going to be our prayer team. You just step out of the aisle right now and go to someone who's standing in an aisle and lay your hands upon them. So go ahead and do that. Anyone who's at Equip, who sat through the prayer session, just go ahead. There can be more than one person praying. 
Just don't have 10 people at one person and nobody else at someone else, okay? Make sure everybody. And while that is taking place, I'm going to invite our regular prayer team to also step out now and to just go up and down the aisles and see if there's any gaps to be filled in. Maybe there's someone standing with no one next to them yet or somebody standing with just one person next to them. The rest of our prayer team go out and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Let's the rest of us just lift up our hands, lift up our faith and lift up our voices to God and let's say together, Father God, light a fire by your Spirit in my heart and in this place. Let your power move. Let the healing begin. Let prayers be answered. Miracles happen and lives be changed right here, right now. In Jesus' name, we believe it and we receive it. Amen. Amen. Now, while our prayer team pray for these people, let's the rest of us just lift our voices and worship God and sing together. Come on, church. Here I stand in your presence.